Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. see you guys. I was uh, thinking about you next week in Revelstoke. Uh, I'm going to be in Revelstoke next week, and you're translating for me next week. Yes. All right, so you can invite your friends. Okay. Uh, You know, for years, and I just, uh, there's a couple things I want to say. I don't get to be in all our locations very often. So, uh, you know, I get to kind of say a little bit, and there's a couple of things I want to say to us as a church. One is, is, uh, um, you know, we, uh, when we do communion, and uh, if you've come from a different church, you may go, like, why is everybody coming? Like, wouldn't it be easier just to have somebody serve us and us sit there? And uh, the reason we do that, there's, there's a real specific reason behind that, is because communion, fellowship, relationships are messy. Yeah. And you have to engage in them in order to benefit from them. Here's a promise I make everybody in our church. If you stay with us long enough, you'll get offended. When's the last time you went to church and somebody promised you that? Because if you don't get offended, offended, you never learn how to get over it. And you walk through life crippled because you can't get over stuff. And yet God puts us in this group and this family and this relationship so that we can be different and, you know, that we can say things that people don't agree with and we can grind. You know, we can just kind of, you know, bump up against each other and cause troubles with each other so that we can grow and get healed. Because if you can't get healed here, where will you get healed? Right? This is a place. You're in a great place today. And uh, so thrilled that you're here and able to be with us and, uh, and, and enjoy being family together. Enjoy being family together. Now, I, I want to share something with you today. We're going into a new series. Through the month of February, usually every about four weeks, we do a new series. And uh, we're going to go back to the Old Testament, specifically in this series. I don't know, how many of you know that there's three quarters of the Bible is considered the Old Testament, the first three quarters? I was in a conversation with a Jewish businessman the other day. And uh, first thing he says to me, you know, after, you know, what do you do? And uh, that's always a tough one for me when I say, uh, you know, when people ask, what do you do? Because inevitably they've been carrying on as if they didn't know who I was. And saying things that all of a sudden, you know, they'll say, what do you, what do, you uh, do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And they go like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> so I, I actually try to avoid saying that. But this, this Jewish gentleman, he says to me, so do you? I say, I'm a pastor. Oh, great. I want to ask you a question. Um, I'm Jewish. Do you, do you Christians actually, like, read the part of the Bible that we have? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do you, do you accept it? Do you agree with it? Yeah, actually, too, because that's actually the only Bible Jesus had. And so if that's the only Bible Jesus had, then there actually has got to be a lot of really, really good stuff in there. Got to be a lot of really great stuff, how we can learn how to, how to do life. And, you know, one of the things that I've discovered in life is that a lot of times where we get to in life is not exactly where we hoped we would be. You know, it's kind of like you get this... Well, maybe, maybe I'm the only one, but the, you get this play, point in life and you go, you know, you know that wasn't kind of what, you know, my dream board said. <laughs> you know, that whole, you know, place that I wanted to be, uh, there were a few things happened in my life that I didn't see them coming and I couldn't avoid them. 
what was that thing we went through the last couple of years? Anyway, that, that, you know, stuff that happens. And go, you know, my life is not where I expected I would be right now. Anybody, anybody with me on that? You, you know what I'm talking about? You know, I got to that place. And, and this life that I have right now is not exactly what I expected to do. So how do you, what do you do when you discover that the life you have is not the life you wanted? What do you do? There's this story in the Old Testament. This is where we're going to go. We're talking about Saul and David. And it's, a, it's about David. And, and if you'll allow me today, I actually want to read it, read the passage all the way through. It's in Psalm, for, sorry, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel, capítulo 26. That's the extent of my Spanish for the day. And, uh, uh, and, and it's a story of David and Saul, and there's a whole context to it, but if you'll, if you'll follow along with me, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. If you have your Bible, if not, if you've got your phone, uh, your Bible's on there. And uh, just follow through with me as I, as I read this. It starts in verse 1. I'm going to read the full chapter. 25 verses, it says, Now some men from Ziph came to Saul at Gibeah to tell him, David is hiding on the hill of Hakilah, which overlooks Jeshimon. Now I practiced hours just to get those right. <laughs> Not true. I'm lying. Uh, so, but it's the only time. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's elite troops and went to hunt him down in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul camped along the road beside the hill of Hakilah near Jeshimon, where David was hiding. And when David learned that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, he sent out spies to verify the report of Saul's arrival. So Saul was the existing king. David was the new king in waiting. He's a new king in waiting of Israel. Saul has been demoted, but he hasn't given up his job yet. And uh, he would prefer to kill his uh, successor. Um, David's life was not turning out quite the way he anticipated. Uh, he was now hunted. He was living in, in caves, and it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't you know, what we call you know, camping. Uh, it was survival. And he was living in these caves, and Saul was chasing after him. So this is where we find the story. So Saul, David sends out these spies to check out Saul's army, little army of 3,000 people chasing after David. Uh, that's a lot of people to send out chasing after David. So it's here, we continue on. It says, David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, who was the commander of Saul's army, were sleeping inside a ring for, formed by the slumbering warriors. Who will volunteer to go in there with me, David asked Ahimelech the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother. You don't have to remember all these names. There will be a test, but you don't have to remember. I'll go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and, uh, and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. And God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time, Abishai whispered to David. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't need to strike twice. He shouldn't have to. Anyway, uh, no, David said, don't kill him, for who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday, or he will die of old age or in the battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. So David took the spear and jug of water that was near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David climbed the hill opposite the camp until he was at a safe distance. Then he shouted down to the soldiers and to Abner, son of Ner, Wake up, Abner! 
Who is it, Abner demanded. Well, Abner, you're a great man, aren't you? David taunted. Where in all Israel is there anyone as mighty? So why haven't you guarded your master, the king, when someone came to kill him? That's a good question. This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord that you and your men deserve to die because you failed to protect the master, your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where the king's spear and the jug of water that were beside his head. I'm just gonna, let me just pause there for a second. Just, I want you to catch something here. David's being hunted by Saul, and yet he gets after Abner, who's Saul's bodyguard. He says, why weren't you looking after the master, your master? Okay, there's a, there's a little kind of something going on here, because David's the one being hunted by Saul, and yet he's saying, Abner, you should have looked after him better. When David could have killed him, and he's blaming Abner. Abner, how come you're not looking after like I am? Just think about that for a minute. This isn't good at all. I swear by the Lord, you and your men deserve to die because you failed to protect your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around. Where are the king's spear and the jug of water that beside his head? So Saul recognized David's voice and called out, Is that you, my lord, or my son David? And David replied, Yes, my lord. Why are you chasing me? What have I done? What's my crime? But now let my Lord the King, my Lord the King, listen to his servant. You hear what David's doing? Saying, I, I'm, I'm still your servant, even though you're trying to kill me. I'm still honoring you, even though you're trying to kill me. What's my crime? Let the Lord listen to his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the Lord. For they have driven me from my home. So I can no longer live among the Lord's people. And they've said, go worship pagan gods. Must I die on a foreign soil? Far from the presence of my Lord. Why has the king of Israel come out to search for a single flea? Why does he hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? And Saul confessed, I've sinned. Come back home, my son, and I'll no longer try to harm you. For you valued my life today. I've been a fool and very, very wrong. Here's your spear, O king, David replied. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and being loyal. The Lord gives his own reward for doing good and being loyal. And I refuse to kill you, even when the Lord placed you in my power, for you are the Lord's anointed. Now may the Lord value my life, even as I have valued yours today. May he rescue me from all my troubles. May he rescue me from all my troubles. What do you do? What do you do? when the life you have isn't the life you wanted. David's response to that would be, may he rescue me. May he rescue me from all my troubles. And the final sentence of this, of this uh, whole paragraph in the story, and Saul said to David, blessings on you, my son David. You will do many heroic deeds, and you will su surely succeed. And then David went away, and Saul returned home. What do you do when life has not kind of gone the way you expected it to go when things did not turn out the way you planned. <laughs> when we were newly married, we had, or not newly married, we'd been married for a while, but we met these people, and they, every year they went away and had a five-year plan. We thought, man, we got four kids. We can hardly get a two-day plan. And uh, we had, <laughs> I have to say this about, uh, you know, one of our kids, our youngest kid, one day we got a call. He was in high school, and we got this call, and, you know, we have four kids, two boys, two girls, and uh, the youngest one, he's the last one in school, 
He's, uh, he's, and we get this phone call from the high school. You know, it's never a good thing. But it turns out it was called from the high school, and they said, they said, hey, can you bring this, whatever it was, muffins or baking, whatever it was. No, it's not my department. It's my wife's. And, uh, you know, muffins, baking, whatever. You don't want to eat when I bake. I'm just saying that. And uh, would you bring that to the uh, band concert? And she's on the phone, you know, back in the day when they were still chords. Connect that, yeah, that's it. You remember that? Some of you do. And uh, they're toys now. But anyway, and, and she's on the phone. She looks at me while she's on the phone, and she goes, do we have a kid in band? <laughs> it's a true story. We just, okay, a five-year plan? Forget it. We, we were getting through day by day, and we didn't even know what our kids were doing sometimes. It, fortunately, he was just in band. Uh, but, you know, so we had these people, they, they were doing this five-year plan. So it's all working out. I can't imagine the disappointment when it didn't turn out. And they had to replan everything. And, you know, some of us, we wanna, we've got this all planned out. We want it to be a certain way. God, you got to show up at this time. And, God, you got to do this. And when this goes on, God, we expect you to do this. And, and yet it doesn't seem like it works out that way. And then we look at the day, we look around us, you know, this wasn't quite what we thought it was going to be like. You got married and conversation with somebody the other day and you know he was telling me what his you know it can be like when he's married and it's going to be all this romantic stuff and it was all going to be you know have all these feelings and these emotions and I went like oh I didn't say what I was thinking because you know I just you know husbands and wives are people and sometimes you get, you get along, gone along the way in your relationship, you discover something about your wife. My wife and I have been married, it'll be 42 years this year. Well, let me tell you, I'm still discovering some things I don't like about her. <laughs> and she's still doing things that I irritate. No, I mean, that she irritates me. I still do things that irritate her. And, you know, if I was going to go, hey, you know, this is, this is just the perfect picture. I, I got to tell you this story because this will maybe help you understand. When I grew up in my home, I never saw my mom and dad disagree, ever. My mom, my dad would say, you know, this is what we're doing. And mom would say, yeah, let's go. And, uh, and, and so I never heard my mom and dad ever disagree. I'm sure there's nobody in this crowd that would know that. My wife's family was different. In their family, whoever yelled the loudest won. So can you imagine what happened? We got married, and, and just so you know, we'd only, been, we'd only known each other for a year, and uh, we got married, and I was expecting, I had this picture of how marriage would be and how my wife and I would get along blissfully because there would never be any disagreements, and there would never be anything. And she came in going like, whoever yells the loudest wins, and it would... <laughs> And she threw knives at me. Also true. And, and I, I was sure within the first few months that not only was I going to die, but I, of this marriage was not going to last. And the whole dream of this wonderful marriage was going to end up in divorce. And it just was not the life I signed up for. Now, fortunately, we kind of got through it, worked it out, figured out some stuff along the way. because we're. And she wasn't a very good aim with her knife, so I've never taken time to teach her how to aim. And, uh, but but there, there was still this point when I'm going like, man, I, I don't, this is not what I was expecting. 
And I know for many of us, we get to this point in life where this just is not what we're expecting. And David is in exactly the same situation. Here he is hiding on the mountain. He's going, you know, this is not what I was expecting to be. Hi, Bodie. And this is not what I was expecting to have happen in my life. It was not what I was expecting uh, would turn out. Never think about this fact that David, David didn't choose to be king. He didn't ask for this life. You know, sometimes we read these stories in the Old Testament. You go, you know, here's this David, you know, this king and all that. And we, we just think he wanted that. No, he was out busy taking care of sheep, which he was quite happy with. When all of a sudden a stranger showed up and said, oh, the king, uh, the current king of the country is going to be deposed. And, you know, we're getting rid of him and we, we're going to pick you instead. Uh, it, it wasn't what he signed up for. He, he, didn't, he didn't sign up for that. In fact, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, it says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Saul took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day. One day he's out looking after sheep, just doing his thing. And he comes inside and the Spirit of God's power just kind of <laughs> on him. On him and, it's, and it's changed. But it wasn't what he planned. Wasn't what he was expecting. Can you imagine 16 years old and somebody comes along and says, hey, you're going to be the king. I, I, I imagine you start feeling like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be king. Hmm. I'm this, that's, you know, I'm, I, I'm, that's exactly what's going to happen. So the truth is he, he did start acting that way. He went to see his brothers and there's a little story, some of you may have heard the story, a little story, a guy by the name of Goliath and David, and a little story there, and, and one of the conversations David has with his brothers, you're so full of pride. Yep, that'd be about accurate. David's just full of himself. He didn't ask to be king. First Samuel 26, 19, I read it already, but it says, now... Uh, but now let my Lord the King listen to his servant. If the Lord stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the Lord. For they've driven me from my home so I can no longer live among God's people. And they've said, go worship pagan gods. David's driven from his home. I, I, don't, I think that day that he's standing with Saul, that he's kind of snuck down there. He's thinking, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to be camping today. I didn't want to be hiding in a cave. I didn't want to be doing all these stuff. There's things in my life. I did not choose this life. I didn't choose to have a marriage because my wife got pregnant. I didn't choose to go through life single. I didn't choose to, whatever it might be, I didn't choose it. But there's something interesting about David's response in all of this. And, and if you, maybe later when you go home, you take a look at this passage again. In, in, this, in these few 25 verses, 15 times David talks about my Lord. 15 times he says, my Lord, but not in the context of my Lord Saul, but my Lord God. 15 times out of the whole passage, he goes, my Lord and my Lord's anointed one, and the anointed one, and, and uh, I'm following my Lord, and all of these kinds of things, and nobody else in this story says that. 
there's, there's really four people in the story, and, and out of those four people, you've got Abishai, who, who acknowledges God, and you've got Abner, who basically doesn't say anything, and then you've got Saul, who really is just kind of making excuses. But you have David, who over and over keeps going back to my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, because here's what's happened with David. As David's gone through his life, he's ended up in a place that he didn't want to be, living a life that he didn't really desire, and the one thing he did is he chose to keep following the Lord. What do you do when the life you have isn't the life you wanted? You keep following the Lord. What do you do when you haven't chosen? I didn't choose this life. What do you do? I keep following the Lord. It, It really is that simple. If you don't get anything else, if you, if you can't walk away today remembering anything else, keep this phrase in your mind. Keep following the Lord. Stuff is going to happen. Stuff has already happened. Things have occurred in your life over which you had no control. It has modified the course of your history. It has modified the way your life will end up. And you can't do a thing about it. But what you can do is what David did. He said, I'm going to keep following the Lord. I'm going to keep following the Lord. There's another thing, though, you know. Can can I I help you with it? You don't really know what God's doing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. You know, some of us get really spiritual. You know, God's doing this in my life. I don't believe you. (laughs) You know what? God worked this all out, and God did this, and God did that. Yeah, I, I don't believe you. Here's, here's, there, there's one other occurrence where in this passage where, where the Lord kind comes up. You might have not even noticed it because nobody else noticed it. Abishai didn't notice what, well, he, he noticed what God was doing. He didn't notice what the Lord was doing. He thought he did, but he didn't quite get it. Abner didn't notice at all what God was doing. He was sleeping. What a great way to go through life. Saul, Saul didn't know what the Lord was doing. In fact, the reason Saul didn't know what the Lord was doing is he wasn't paying attention to the Lord anymore. That's part of what got him into the situation he was in. But even David didn't really notice what God was doing. The only person who saw in this story, the only person who saw what God was doing was the narrator. I know we don't usually talk about the Bible and a narrator, but somebody wrote it down. It wasn't David. And it was somebody that wrote it down with the benefit of hindsight. And I don't don't know if you caught it when when we were reading it, but here in, in verse 12, it says, So David took the spear and jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because... Because they were really stealthily quiet and they could sneak past 3,000 men without ever being noticed. Carrying a jug of water and a spear. No. But David doesn't pay attention to that. I just got out of there. Yeah, boy, we just got out of there. I'm not sure. I, have, I don't know. This is an aside. I'm not sure why David went down there in the first place. He didn't plan to kill Saul. Why did he go down there? Because David was kind of cocky. 
But here he is, he's getting back out from having been with Saul, getting out of there, and he doesn't even notice, but everybody is dead, asleep, and nobody notices until they're gone, past 3,000 people, and he has to yell back and wake Abner and Saul up. And he doesn't even notice. You know, sometimes we say, you know, I, I, I know what God's doing. I can see what God's doing. Can I just tell you this? You got no clue. Most of the time, I don't know what God's doing in my life. And it's not because I'm not trying to find out. It's not like I'm, I'm not trying to see God in the situation. I, I'm always trying to see God in my situation. I'm always trying to see what the Lord is doing in my situation. I'm always looking because I'm always needing him to do something in my situation. Always. But can we just get this? You just don't know. So what do we do? I just keep following the Lord. I, I got no idea what God's doing. I just keep following the Lord. I just keep going, God, I, God I'm just going to keep following you. This is not what I was expecting. This is not going the way I thought. This is not happening the way I hoped it would happen. And I really got no idea what you're going to do. David didn't know if Saul would kill him. In fact, if you read into the next chapter, the very first thing he says is he says, David says that he, because he didn't know if one day Saul wouldn't get him, he left the country. David had no idea. You know, we get this thing of David. David's all this, David's got it all figured out. David hasn't got anything figured out. There's only one thing David has figured out. I'll follow the Lord. I'll follow the Lord. No matter what happens, I will follow the Lord. No matter what goes on, I will follow the Lord. Just one last thing I want to kind of mention about David is, is, I've already said it, but, you know, David really didn't have his act together. You know, I, how, how many of you heard the story of David and Goliath? Just wave your hand at me for a minute. I just want to check make sure you're here. David, David and Goliath. And, you know, we love the story, David and Goliath, you know, this little guy who just defeats this big giant and goes out, you know, it's this great thing. And, and you kind of get this thing, you know, that David really had it together. You know, he didn't need a sword. He had a slingshot and five stones, and, you know, he was just running there. But the fact is, David actually didn't have it together. He, he didn't, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but David was really, really kind of a cocky 16-year-old. Know anybody like that? Think back to when you were like that. <laughs> David shows up and, and he goes, oh, you know, I can do this. All, the whole rest of the army, just think about this. The whole rest of the army, experienced soldiers are saying, no, we're not taking this guy. And then, oh, I could do it. I have, some, I have a few grandsons and, and some of my grandsons would do that. I know, oh, I can do that. Probably you can't do that, but I can do that. Any of your kids play Minecraft? Any of you know what Minecraft is? Just checking, just checking. My nine-year-old grandson annoys me to no end when it comes to Minecraft. I come in there, he's nine years old, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a good grandfather. I, I, I got Minecraft on my laptop or on my, on my iPad and on my phone so I can play it. And, you know, they can say, hey, our papa plays Minecraft too. Except my nine-year-old grandson, he's like, Probably you're such a noob. 
Yeah. He'd be the one running. Yeah, you idiots there. You, you guys in the yard. You got no clue about how to defeat, defeat Goliath. You know, I know how because I'm nine. David, I know how because, you know, I, I, you know, I look after sheep, so therefore I know how to kill a Goliath. A little cocky. David, David didn't have it quite all together. In fact, David could get really hot-headed and vengeful. He could. If you read the chapter before uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, it's this whole story about how David had been camping around this one place and, and his men had been sort of making sure, you know, protection. They were making sure that nobody else's stuff got stolen, nobody else's stuff got, uh, you know, killed. And, and, and after they'd done it for a little while, they said, hey, you know, we just want you to know, it's kind of like this, we just want you to know that we've been looking after your, your, her, your sheep and your flocks and protecting them. And, you know, if you could drop a little tip in the box, you know, we'd be really happy and appreciative of it. And the guy goes like, who are you guys? We don't care. David blows up. Like he's just angry. And he's fine. <laughs> I love, here's the passage. Second, first Samuel 25, 21, 22. David just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen, but he's repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is alive tomorrow morning. Well, the guy had a temper problem. He didn't have it together. David did not have it together. David committed adultery. David did all these things that David should have never done. David did not have it together. David did one thing. David followed the Lord. He kept following the Lord. Messed up in my life. You mess up in your life. Sometimes you go, well, you know, that's just the consequences of what you've done. Keep following the Lord. Something happens completely out of, out of your control. Keep following the Lord. The only thing, this is the only thing. We can, we can talk about so much stuff in this passage. This is the only thing I want you to hear. Keep following the Lord. Keep following the Lord. Keep following the Lord. Yeah, but God isn't doing anything for me. Not that you see. Keep following the Lord. But I've messed up so badly, God wouldn't love me. Keep following the Lord. But I didn't choose to be in this situation. Keep following the Lord. Keep following the Lord. But life is not what I wanted it to be. Keep following the Lord. We stop following the Lord when we think we're smarter than him. We stop following God when we think we know better than God knows. Which is why I say, keep following the Lord. Keep following the Lord. So we come to the end of the service. And I'm not quite sure because every time I come here to Vernon, um, Pastor Josiah and Pastor Kimberly have decided to do something different than the last time. Mind you, that happens everywhere. But <laughs> so I'm not quite sure how they want to close it, but I know how I want to close it this morning. I want us to stand. If you can do that, you've been sitting for a while. And 
See, the, the whole point of this message, did you get it? What's, what's the point of the message? What do I, what I want you to remember? <laughs> My wife got it. It's good. Life is good. My wife heard what I said. <laughs> it's funny that she stays with me as long as she does. She must love me. I'm pretty fortunate. The whole point, the whole point of looking at David and Saul today is to say, that we're only going to get through everything we're going through. The only way we're going to get through life is if we keep following yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Now, you might be here this morning, and, and you know, I, I don't know uh, uh, many of you here today. But you may say, well, I have never decided to follow the Lord. You might be here this morning and say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually not a Christian. I just came to church because uh, Esme's invited me, Kimberly just saw his daughter, um, or, you know, saw the sign I came. You, I, I don't know why you're here, but you're here. I believe God has you here so that you can hear him say, keep following me. And if you haven't already started, then please follow me. I, I can't promise you today, and I won't even attempt to promise you that life will suddenly be a, you know, fantastic and everything will work out because it won't. I already told you, if you come here, you'll get offended. But I can tell you this, you'll never find the reason for your life until you discover the one who created you. Purpose just doesn't come any other way. I'd like it if we're going to pray, and I'd just love it if you guys would just bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and just as I'm about to pray, I'm going to ask you just individually, if you could think about this, maybe you have never made a decision to follow the Lord, and here I'm talking about following the Lord, but maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I would really love to encourage you to make that decision right now. I, 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 it'll be the best decision you could ever make in your life. Two most important moments in your life are one, the day you're born, and two, the day you realize why. And when we decide to follow Jesus, that's the day we realize why I'm here. And if you're here this morning, and I just want to ask you, just genuine, sincerely from my heart, if you've never followed Jesus before, and you would like to, you'd like to make a decision and say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. One, you don't have to follow Jesus by yourself. We do this together. It's part of the beauty of church and relationship. But you're here today, and you just say, you know, Pastor Dave, I, I want to follow Jesus. I've decided I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to find that meaning. I want to find that purpose. Can I just ask you, would you slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just slip up your hand. I just want to have the opportunity to pray for you if there's anybody here today that you're saying, hey, I, I want to follow Jesus. Awesome. That's so cool. So let's keep following Jesus. Let's keep following Jesus. If, you're, if you haven't been following Jesus very long, just keep following him. If you've been following him for a while, maybe you've forgotten how to talk to people about Jesus. It's become a kind of a quiet following. But you know, there's people all around us who just 
are looking for some reasons for life. And that's only going to be found if we keep following Jesus. Lord, I want to pray today, God. I pray, God, for every person here. I pray, God, that your spirit would rest on them. And God, right now, as we've thought about, we've talked about, we've just considered to keep following you no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, even if we didn't pick the outcome of our life and it hasn't gone the way we anticipated or expected, God, we make the choice here right now that we will keep following you. We'll keep following you. We'll keep going in the direction you're going. We'll keep moving with you. We'll keep following you and honoring you in our life. God, I pray. God, for courage. I pray for boldness. God, I pray for uh, endurance. God, that we would be able to every morning when we wake up and say, God, I'm going to follow you today. Take me, God, where you need to take me today. I'm going to follow you today. Because, Lord, I know that your way is better. So I'll follow you. God, I pray for everybody here today, each person. God, I pray your blessing on them. God, your strength on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca. 